right, everybody. Welcome to the Phantasmal Necromantic Paranormal Podcast. Today, along with my co-host, Brandy, uh, we will be talking about the Mothman. So first of all, we're going to tell you the story, uh, what who the Mothman is and what it's about, and then we're going to discuss it. All right. So on November 12th, 1966, in the town of Clendon, West Virginia, and I'm very sorry if I pronounced that wrong to you, West Virginia folks. Five men were digging a grave when they reported seeing a man-like creature fly close to them from a nearby tree. Three days later, on the night of November 15, 1966, near Point Pleasant, West Virginia, Roger Scarberry and his wife, Linda, along with two of their companions, Steve and Mary Mallet, I believe mm-hmm. is how we're going to say that, were driving near the TNT area when they spoke were, when they spotted and were chased by a black figure. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I got Let me try that one more time. I'm going to back it up. Okay, so Roger Scarberry, his wife Linda, along with their friends Steve and Mary Mallet, I think that's how it's right, were driving near the TNT area when they spotted and were chased by a black figure with a 10-foot wingspan and glowing red eyes. Linda was the first person to see the creature near the North Point, North Power Plant. Ooh. They all soon realized it was a humanoid creature standing roughly seven feet tall with what appeared to be wings folded behind it. Roger drove down Highway 62 toward Point Pleasant city limits at times exceeding 100 miles per hour. All the while, the creature kept up with them. After parking at the edge of town, the four discussed once again going back out to the TNT area to see if they could find the creature again in an attempt to get a better look at it. At this point, they had all concluded it was merely an oversized bird that they had seen. Gathering themselves, they once again drove out Highway 62 toward the TNT area. On their way there, they again encountered the creature along the highway this time. According to the eyewitnesses, when their headlights shone on the creature, it lifted straight into the air with immense speed and disappeared. The couples decided to return to the Mason County Courthouse in Point Pleasant and report their sighting to Sheriff George Johnson and his deputy, Miller, Miller Halstead. They go out, um, the sheriff and his deputy went out to search for the creature, but they came up empty-handed. While the Scarberries and Mallet's sightings and run-in with the creature were the best known, or are the best known, they were not the first or the last to see the creature. For the next year and a half, more than 100 sightings of the creature would be reported to local newspapers and law enforcement. At the same time, the residents in and around Point Pleasant were also having sightings. At the same time, the residents in and around Point Pleasant were having their sightings of Mothman. There was a large number of UFO sightings as well. There were so many sightings, the local newspaper had to set up a separate desk to handle all of the incoming calls. Several well-meaning people, mostly academia folks, visited the area at the time to help figure out what everyone was seeing. One such person was Dr. Robert L. Smith, an associate professor of wildlife biology at West Virginia University's Division of Forestry. After listening to several eyewitness accounts, he deemed the creature to be a sandhill crane. He noted the size of the sandhill crane and its massive wingspan. Also, it was noted by Dr. Smith, these birds do have a migratory path that takes them southward at times. He surmised the bird could have used the Clintic Wildlife Reserve as a stopping off point to rest before migrating farther south. 
However, for those who had a firsthand run-in with the creature, this was not an acceptable explanation of what they had seen. One eyewitness noted he had seen sandhill cranes before and he knew what they looked like and the creature he saw looked nothing like a sandhill crane. On December 15, 1967, the Point Pleasant uh, would see the worst bridge collapse in U.S. history. When the Silver Bridge suffered a catastrophic failure and crumbled into the Ohio River, killing 46 people. The reason this uh, catastrophe is linked to the Mothman and UFO sightings in the area is because once the bridge collapsed, the Mothman sightings subsided, leading people in the area to believe the Mothman may have been a harbinger of doom. Some people believe the Mothman is there to warn of impending catastrophes. Similar creatures have been seen before uh, have been seen before other disasters, such as a mine collapse in Freiburg, Germany, Chernobyl, 9-11, and the Minnesota Bridge Collapse. All right. So, Brandy. Uh, so, one of yes. the things that makes this so great for Brandy and I to discuss <laughs> is we actually have gone there. Yeah. Yeah. We took us a weekend trip, went mm-hmm. up to Point Pleasant, and uh, I think one of the things we need to point out so in our first podcast, we kind of ream the devil's uh, tramping ground. Yeah. Like we're like, don't go there. Like what a joke <laughs> this place is. I have the opposite reaction for Point Pleasant. Definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. I started to say like, I think we were just excited because you know, like we're all things like we want to go and see these mythical creatures and and like you know, ghosts hunting and that kind of thing. So we were so excited to get up there. But I also think that when you're going to these things, there is that certain little something where you're like, oh, how cheesy is this going to be? Like, oh, uh, that, Yeah, that's that's what I was expecting <laughs> because I'm yeah. like, this is going to be so silly. We're going up here to see the Mothman. But, but I was excited to go mm-hmm. and, and wanted to go because I've heard about this story for, you know, I guess since I was a young teenager, maybe like 12, 13, 14, I guess. Yeah. So, I definitely wanted to go, but yeah, I I have a completely different opinion of of uh, Point Pleasant, West Virginia now. That's for sure. Yeah, like a good good on the good side. Yes, on the good yes. Side. Like uh, because I will say uh, for us, it was roughly a seven hour, a little over seven hour drive up. Um, and we, we kind of, we did a flying thing. Like we, we drove up on Friday night and we actually drove back home on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Um, um, which it's just because we both have to work and, and we just wanted that Sunday off kind of thing so that we weren't uh, going to be tired for Monday. But, um, I do think like, I, it would be a great place, great little place to spend a weekend. Like it mm-hmm. just oh, yeah. was very charming. Um, the people I think were great, you know, kind of thing. Um, so one of the things we did was, so we, we walked the river, uh, down there, the, the river has an amazing mural on it yeah. that tells yeah, the history of neat. the area. Mm-hmm. Um, don't know who painted it, but amazing. Like, just you could spend most of your day just going out through there, reading the history of the town in this mural. Um, uh, it's, it's a beautiful area, too. Like, yeah. the, the town is well kept. And here's the other thing that may be disappointing to some. It is not all about the Mothman. Like, it was <laughs> right. not. I think we expected to drive in and there would just be banners of Mothman and every store. But it's not. Like, yeah. it is very um, clear cut. Like, what stores have Mothman and that kind of thing. So, um, so I think that helped it. 
So it wasn't a hundred percent about Mothman, just enough. Yeah, because it was enough. like the the downtown historic area right there where the museum was. It was just a real clean, nice little historical town there. And the Mothman Museum just happened to be there on the corner, you know, and of course the statue outside of it. But like other than that, you wouldn't, you couldn't tell that that's where you were. It, it was, it was a really like charming little yeah. place. I think one of the things, um, there is a motel there called the Low Motel. I think Low. it was, yeah. Um, we would love to have stayed there. Like, mm -hmm. uh, that would have put you right in the middle of town. And um, the only reason we didn't is we knew when we were driving, we just weren't going to be able to drive that far. We knew we were going to have to drive into town the next morning. Otherwise, I would totally would have stayed at the hotel and you'd been right in the middle of a little downtown there. Yeah. And you could have walked easily if you wanted to see... Um, because one of the big things is, when we're talking about the Mothman, is the Silver Bridge collapse. Mm -hmm. And you don't realize how close, so was it we walked down to where the Silver Bridge actually entered. Uh, they used to drive yeah. onto the Silver Bridge. is literally what a, like a block, two blocks mm -hmm. from the Mothman Museum. Yeah. Uh, Mothman Museum is directly across the street from the Low uh, Motel or Hotel there. Um, we, we walked down to something else that was historic there. Um, we walked oh, down gosh. to, um, I can't remember. There's something that's like a block. Of, oh, it was the memorial. So there was a memorial yeah. and, uh, but yeah, it, and a lovely little place to walk around town too. Like I was, I mean, it, it, it's just a lovely little town kind of thing. We did cross the bridge. So you're literally standing on one side, looking into the state of Ohio. We mm -hmm. had never been to Ohio. So we said, <laughs> We Let's go across, in Ohio. Touched Ohio, and now we can say we've been there, <laughs> done that. Um, but because one of the things we did drive over to Ohio, trying to see the remnants of Silver Bridge on that side, the yeah. downside that you don't find out on the internet unless you're looking for it is all of that is private property, and there were no trespassing signs everywhere, so we yeah. did not get to walk down to the remnants of the Silver Bridge on the Ohio side. So. We ended up back over in the West Virginia side. But um, the other thing, too, we actually went to the McClintic uh, Wildlife Reserve. Yes. And let me say, uh, all I have to say, West Virginia, fix your roads. That's what I'm <laughs> like, that was the only downside is um, I work in South Carolina. I thought they had the worst roads. Well, West Virginia <laughs> got you beat South Carolina. But um, but the, the road out to McClintic, little potholy um, but I would totally walk in that reserve like every day just for exercise like yeah it was, it was very nice, nice. yeah mm -hmm. and um we found the igloos yes and went into quite a few of them <laughs> um and, and they're not bad so I, I would definitely say though would not want to go into them in the summertime probably yeah um, <laughs> like there might no. be something living in there <laughs> in the summertime but um we went up there so we went up there in january um into january yeah right yeah um and it wasn't terribly cold uh they were getting ready to get a snowstorm in fact mm -hmm. we that was one of the reasons we left on saturday night was because they were supposed to get a snow yeah and we didn't want to get caught in that 
Um, but actually, it was very nice walking out there. The weather wasn't terrible. You can walk inside the igloos, um, you know. And, and, I, and I didn't expect them to be exactly like that, how they were so hidden in the, the brush and the trees, but uh, they were still exposed enough where you could see them and, and locate them. But I tell you, I would definitely, I'm, I'm glad that we didn't go there at night because that would have been extremely creepy to be walking yeah. in them at night. One of our plans had been to go back out at there at night. Oh, right, right. And uh, now it was not just Brandy and I. So we actually <laughs> took um, our kids and some of, uh, and my youngest one had a college friend of hers. They're all 18 and older kids. They're all grown. Yeah. Um, you know, and none of us are like little people, uh, except for Brandy. Kind of thing. <laughs> but, um, so it wasn't like, I think that kind of helped too, because I felt a little bit secure having all those kids with us. Yeah. That kind of thing. And they were gung ho to go in these igloos. Like they were. they were the first in, they were finding all of them. Um, in fact, um, where we were, at the igloos. And I think that you could have found some on a, on a different spot if you'd have parked in a different place. But um, I think if you Google uh, the igloos, it puts you to park at a very specific point. Yeah. Because yeah. one of the kids had Googled the spot for, I guess, the Mothman or something. And there is literally a Google pin that tells you where to park and that's where we parked. <laughs> and we literally within like five minutes or I don't know, what isn't even five minutes, like two or three minutes, we were in an igloo kind of thing. Uh -huh. But um, I think you there were more igloos on the other side, on the other trails that we just didn't go down. Yeah, I think there were yeah. supposed, but you had yeah. to cross a, like a creek or the yeah. the... the water from the wildlife preserve running across the road into a creek and yeah it it they haven't had a lot which of course we've had a lot of rain on the east coast yeah oh for yeah the past 15 months <laughs> and uh west virginia was no stranger to that rain and just the there was like a i would call it a swamp more yeah. than i would anything yeah that's what it looked but, like yeah i guess it's just like an oversized pond but it had overflowed and it had actually taken out part of the walkway. A couple of our kids did brave going through it to find and uh, to get to the other side and look at more igloos. Mm -hmm. But uh, we, we weren't, if you had galoshes, you could have done that, but yeah, but we weren't going to do that. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, thank you. Uh, but I mean, it, it was a nice place to walk. And like, there were several people out there when we were out there. I think the only takeaway for me was seeing the igloos because in my mind, and this was just me and it's just probably me not paying attention, I kind of thought them to be more cave-like. Mm -hmm. So when we got inside of one, I was like, oh, like, like this <laughs> is it. Is like, it? <laughs> but I can see the whole room. Like I thought it would be more secluded, uh -huh. more eerie. Uh, once you got into the to the igloos, not eerie at all because they all had you know holes in the roof that let the sunlight through. Yeah. Um, uh, if you're a singer, great acoustics. One of our kids is yeah, in the oh, theater yeah. group. He <laughs> loved it. Uh, so, but the igloos just kind of that was the only side I was like, oh, like I thought this was scarier. You know? Yeah. And I feel in, like it would have been at night, but just during the day, what, it's just full uh, of graffiti and there's nothing yeah. in there. And yeah. 
uh, and I mean, and it's not, they're empty. Like they're mm-hmm. like the ones we went into. And like I said, well, we went into like four or five of them. They're just completely empty. Like yeah. there's nothing in there. Um, like she said, a lot of graffiti, but yeah, going out there at night, it is a secluded country road. Yeah, that is, is true. It's dirt. Like on a good day, it's dirt on the days we went, it was mud. Um, because we kind of made the mistake of, I was like, let's just drive through it. (laughs) And then we drove through mud and I don't have a four wheel drive kind of thing. So I was sure we were going to get stuck uh, back there somewhere, but, um, and yeah. can you imagine seeing some kind of crazy creature out there at night? Like, because yeah. you know how long it took us to get back out of there. Oh, yeah. It took us a good while. Now, like I said, we, but we also drove, when we drove into it, it took us a while to get yeah. back to where Google was saying to park. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a good ways off of the road. So all I can, now the TNT area is no longer in existence because that was one of the things we we did not go to where that specific area was, but, um, because it's gone, but I can't imagine if I saw a creature and I had to drive down, which I'm sure it said that the Roger Scarberry drives back down Highway 62, which we drove 62 to get out to the McClintic Wildlife Reserve. Uh But if if he was literally driving a hundred mile an hour, like oh my gosh, like that would have been scary enough. Like, yeah, because it's not the straight like it's not like straight road like back to town kind of thing. Um, but and, and like we're not talking about current day; we're talking about something that happened in the '60s. You know. Yeah. So I can't imagine that it had been any better in the '60s kind of thing. Mm. Um, but yeah, to have been caught out there because. Because it was great to be out there during the day and the sun was shining on us the day we were there. That like there's just a part of me that's like, oh, we gotta see how scary this is at night. The other factor for not going back that back out there, well, you don't know what kind of crazies out there, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. Like I am sure just because of who I am, I kept trying to get the kids to stay in the igloos. And screech at strangers walking into them because I thought that would be hilarious. Right. None of them took us up, took me up on it, even though I thought it was hilarious because there was, you know, enough people out there. I just felt like you could have scared somebody. But now, on the flip yeah. side of that, it was not the clearest path to get to the igloo. So I would have felt really bad if somebody would have ran and hurt themselves too. So yeah, it was, it was pretty um, muddy and <laughs> <Yeah>. slippery. <laughs> yeah. It's not the best of climate to be, I guess be scaring somebody, but it like to think about going out there at night, because I will say the igloos are hidden. So like they're mm-hmm. kind of vine covered and tree covered. Yes. And that's why I said I wouldn't want to go in there during the summer because, ooh, spiders, <laughs> snakes. <laughs> uh, you know there's some ugh. snakes in that thing. Oh, gosh. Put it this way. Uh, just because uh, the mind that I have, at one point I turned to Brandy because, like I said, it's a very swampy area. And I said to her, I was like, this would be a great place for a body. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's just so swampy. And then I also said, I am just picturing an alligator coming out after us at any moment. Oh, like, God. It was just I know. So it was, yeah, it yeah. was like that. And I, so I can't imagine the amount of snakes that live. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm glad we went uh, in the wintertime. I don't uh, think yeah. I could do that in the summertime. But, um, but, yeah, so I think my takeaway from this is, and I do want to say, 
especially from Brandy and I standpoint, because we have our own experiences with different things. We never want to take away from somebody's story. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm never going to say you're, you're full of it. That didn't happen to you. You know, that kind of thing. So I, the Mothman story and other things that I have read, so many people believe in what they saw and it's not a bird. Like they are hundred percent like, this is not a bird. I don't know what this thing is because if you do any kind of digging and you will see other people's stories, the one thing that gets me and it's one of those things I wish I kind of want to hear it. And you know, maybe I don't want to see it. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of one of those people. It's like, I've had enough weird stuff happen to me. I've seen a few things. Um, Those things haven't scared me just because like, I do think it's past family members kind of thing. Uh Um, But I kind of want to hear a lot of people talk about, they hear the wings open on this thing and flap away. Right. Right. Like I want to hear like, what is that that they're, that they've heard kind of thing. Yes. Um, I can't imagine how that that wouldn't be terrifying though. But the other part to this is the effect that the people, so many people had nervous breakdowns after seeing this thing Mm -hmm. that that to me says something like, I don't, I don't think you'd have a nervous breakdown if you thought what you saw was a big bird. Like, yeah, you know, like could convince you like, Oh, you just saw this sandhill crane you know, um, I do know this, uh, Dr. Smith said that the Sandhill cranes have a tendency to have a temper if really? they're dis- they're disturbed kind mm-hmm. of thing. At the end of the day, it's still a bird <laughs> flapping at you with its wings. Like, and I mean, I get it. Like, I, I guess it could hurt you, but I'm also thinking it would hurt itself. You uh-huh. know, I mean, wings aren't indestructible kind of thing. Yeah. But, um. But yeah, it is just amazing to read some of these stories. And like the other aspect that I kind of like about the Mothman is the UFO aspect. Uh-huh, exactly. Because that's just like something that we haven't dealt into. Um, there are a few cases of UFOs near where Brandy and I live that mm-hmm. we will like that we will be talking about at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, that's just another aspect, and I know um you know, we'll delve into that more in future podcasts. But so many people saw UFO things going on at the same time. Yeah, that that's that's really odd. And I I didn't get to read so much the UFO accounts when we were like in the museum, but um, that's definitely very interesting because like going into it. Of course, I've never believed in the Mothman. I just figured it was some kind of local legend for West Virginia. And it, you know, it just kind of got blown out of proportion. But and and I, I still felt that way going up there. Like, I just wanted to see the place and see everything. And because I've heard about it so much through the years. But, you know, actually going there and when I read just one of the, I I can't remember which person it was, but it was one of the girls who had seen it. It must've been, uh, the Scarberries. It must've been her because she was in the car with 
a couple other people. So that that was a that was two couples that went mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So her account of it, you know, I'm looking in the museum of her handwritten account where she went to the sheriff's department. They all went to the yes. sheriff's department, and and after reading that letter, I have to say my opinion of the whole thing did kind of change because just by reading her words, like she believed what she saw and what she was saying and, and all of them apparently did enough. So to go report it to the sheriff's department and, and it, that, you know, it was like, I couldn't believe all of the newspaper articles that were in the museum of all these people's accounts. And it was just the the museum, like we had discussed, it it was actually really well done. And we didn't, we didn't anticipate it to be that, that good, but they, they really have done a good job with the museum. We, we were talking about, um, we, we were, I mean, like we are impressed with the Moffat Museum because, yeah. I mean, like you said, when we were going up there, we figured it's going to be cheesy and all this, but we were right. going to do it anyway because yeah. we're going to drive and spend the time. We're going to do the cheese. Like, yeah. we're going to do it to the max. <laughs> kind of thing. But then you get in there and you're just like, oh my gosh. And you get to read these handwritten statements that, that you know, the Scarberries made and the Mallets made. And, you know, they believed in what they saw. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where, you know, they never changed their story. That's the other thing, too. I appreciate that when they originally see it, that they question themselves. They're like, oh, we've let this big bird frighten us. Let's go back out there, find this thing. Right. See what yeah, it is. Yeah. But then they encounter it again, <laughs> and they're more frightened the second time. So that kind of helped add a little bit of credence to it for me. In the regard that they weren't immediately like, oh, there's this creature, you know, kind of, mm-hmm. they, they get frightened, get themselves back together and then try to find it again, only to be startled a second time kind of thing. So we, before we went up there, did you realize that there was so much that had to do with the Mothman, like no. so many people that said, because I, oh, no. I mean, I couldn't believe there was that much to yeah. fill up. I think the museum. The issue is, I think that um, one of the things is every time, like you see, uh, because every I love YouTube, and anytime there's kind of cryptid or ghost story, I'm on YouTube. I'm gonna watch it, kind of thing. And I think the the drawback to that is everybody kind of surrounds the Mothman story to the Scarberries and the Mallets, like they're the main story that you hear about. Yeah. And I think in my mind, it was just these four people. Like these four people saw this thing. They believe what they saw. Yeah. That's what I thought because that's what I had initially read before we went. That, and that's that it like was what them. every story talks about, you know, kind of. So you, I think you get wrapped up in four people saw it. Mm-hmm. Then you get up there and you realize, oh no, like hundreds of people saw this thing or thought they saw this thing. Yeah. And like people had close up encounters with this thing. Um, I will say I, uh, I'm going to plug just because I bought it at the museum <laughs> and I'll have to grab it. So um, there's a gentleman by the name of Jeff Wamsley. I hope I'm saying that right. And he wrote this book called Mothman Behind the Red Eyes, the Incomplete Investigative Library. Now, I do think Jeff has written more than one book, but um, that's the book that I bought from the museum. And it's just full 
of eyewitness accounts. I'm not going to read any of them here. Um, it's copyrighted and all that. But I would say if you want to hear more stories, um, and honestly, some of the stories in this book are a little bit more believable than the Scarberry Mallet account. I mean, it's really? up close encounters. Yeah. Kind of thing. And I, I just enjoyed reading that. Um, I do plan on purchasing the other book that he wrote because um, I was talking to Brandy and I said, when I bought the book, I, um, I really wanted to read in depth the handwritten notes that, yeah. that they had written for the police That's department. what I want to get yeah. too. And I, I was thinking that yeah. it was going to be in there too. but So unfortunately that's not in that book, but I'm hoping it was probably in his first book. I'm hoping. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm hoping to order hopefully still in circulation and get that first book. But if you're like a Mothman kind of fanatic and you want to find out more about the Mothman, get Jeff Wamsley's book. Um, and it's spelled W-A-M-S-L-E-Y, Jeff. Uh, but because the number of eyewitness accounts in there, and, and there are, there's a lot of uh, store, you know, like newspaper articles. There's a lot of, and of course there's a lot of stories in there where people saying, oh, it's a bird. Like I saw it was a big <laughs> black bird. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, and this isn't just in Jeff's book, so we can talk about this is a farmer shoots a snow owl I know. in Point Pleasant because he thinks that's the creature that they are seeing. And he ends up killing this poor snow owl, which <laughs> looks nothing like nothing. what people have It's an owl. And yeah. you know, I, I saw that when we were at the museum, and it was either on one of the videos that was playing in the museum or something I was reading, but it had said that the the... The owl is now displayed in the museum, and where you know, I mean, the kids are looking all around for the, for the poor dead owl, but it's not in there. They probably legally had to take it out because yeah. it's an owl. But oh gosh, but that that is like one of the stories that you're like, oh, okay, these people just took it too far. That, like, yeah, that they, was a terrible story. <laughs> because one of one thing that all the eyewitnesses have in common is it is a black creature like mm -hmm. it's a black creature with red eyes and it's, and it's giant with yeah. giant wings yeah it has giant wingspan so the, he kills this poor owl that's sitting on top of his barn now granted this is the owl is larger than what some of us might realize our owls can be and it has a five foot wingspan mm -hmm. that still does not match the dark <laughs> red-eyed 10 foot wingspan of no, the creature. No. And also the owl doesn't look like a humanoid. It looks like an <laughs> owl because I am fairly certain he shoots this thing during the day. Like he doesn't even shoot it at night. He shoots it during the day. But, oh my um, gosh. That was like one of the, the casualties of the Mothman story. We're just like, <laughs> what is going on? But, um, but yeah, once again, like there's so many. And I think what's happened is over the years, people came out because um, there were several accounts where people had said, well, I told somebody that I saw it, and they were like, "Ah, hey, you're crazy. You didn't see anything. Now, you can imagine in the 60s, um, that probably would have been, you know, like, oh, you're nuts, or, you know, look at yeah. Crazy Joe down the street believes he saw the moth. Kind of <laughs> um, but, you know, I think as time has gone on, and this has kind of gained some momentum, you know, especially with YouTube and all that kind of thing, mm -hmm. I think that more people are apt to speak about it because right. there's a lot of accounts from like, you know, when I was a kid, I saw this or when I was a young adult, you know, kind of thing. 
And I just think the older generation, one just doesn't talk about things like that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and, and I, like I said, Jeff's book is amazing. If you want to read accounts, get it. Uh, the only thing that I, that might like the, the con, and, and of course, as a, if you're going to present the whole story, you have to present the good and the bad. Yeah. But one of the things that does make me mad is in, uh, so you have Dr. Smith, you have the professor, the assistant associate professor who comes down and he basically just tells all of these people. Uh, to me, it was like a slap in the face uh, to all these country bumpkins is what I would have taken it as if I lived there. And he's like, yeah, all you country bumpkins, all you're saying is a bird was wrong with you. That's kind of the yeah. way he comes across in his findings, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. But um, there are other newspaper people um, I believe it's the editor of the local paper. I could be wrong about that. Like he just kind of doesn't want to deal with it either until he gets overloaded with calls and stuff. And so I think you have that scope of people that was detracting from it too, because they didn't want to deal with it. They don't want to talk about it. Yeah, it's a non-issue right. kind of thing. So, um, and there are all those newspaper articles in these books. So when you're reading, you also get to see the naysayers and what they were saying about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, but I think the other thing, too, is it's kind of weird and quirky to me that similar type creatures have been seen at other catastrophic things. Mm -hmm. Now, like, I couldn't, I just had seen some articles that said, uh, a humanoid-like creature had been spotted around New York City before 9-11 happened. Um, I really couldn't read it, find any more than that about it. Like, there wasn't, like, pictures. Like, you would think somebody with a cell phone would have snapped a picture of something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe it is out there. I just didn't dig hard enough because we were kind of talking about West Virginia. Um, and, st- and we're just kind of naming off these other disasters and stuff. But, um, but yeah, so I would definitely say... You live on the East Coast, you can make it a weekend drive. Do it. Ah, uh, yeah. Like, I'm not going to knock this place because I liked it. You yeah, know? it was, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun and very interesting because I had just had kind of like a view as a sort of like the devil's tramping ground because it's like, yeah, it's not really anything <laughs> to this. And, and I had read the accounts of like the, the Sandhills crane and looked up the bird to see and it is very large. I'm thinking, okay, well, if they saw this at night, shine light on it and saw the red around the the sides of the head and, and it, it's, I mean, I think it's like as tall as I am. It's like five foot or something or whatever. But um, so going up there, that's what I was thinking. It, it, the, because this was quite a few years back, yeah. if I had saw a bird that large at night and I didn't know it existed, it would have, it would have scared me and I wouldn't know what it was, but there's so many accounts of people seeing this thing and it's not, it's not really the same description as, as this bird. So it's, it's very bizarre stories, mm-hmm. and the creature is just—it is really unbelievable. But uh, I it's think fascinating. It be, I think it would be harder if everybody that I witnessed it, it that that witnessed seeing this thing, if they saw it from a distance, uh-huh. then it would be much easier for me to dismiss as a bird. Yeah, but yeah. Then there are so many up close encounters, uh-huh. like people who got 
who thought this thing was going to kill them, that when you read those stories, you start thinking, oh, you know. And then, um, two, I, I, like I said, I will go back and give the Scrubbers and the Mallets the credit that they deserve in saying, okay, we saw a bird. We're going to figure out what kind of bird this is. We're going to go back in there and find it. Only to find out, okay, I don't think that's a bird. <laughs> that's, you know, that's not anything we know. And I do mm-hmm. know the other thing, people were talking about the Sandhill Crane. And uh, I believe it was the Professor Smith that said the the Sandhill Crane has red plumage, I guess, around its eyes. Right, and yeah. And his whole theory was when they were shining lights on it, it was just illuminating this red plumage mm-hmm. and making it look like eye shine. Yeah, and that's exactly what I was yeah. thinking. But yeah, but I will say the number of people who said they knew what a sandhill crane looked like, and it was no sandhill crane. Mm-hmm. And because like even though it's a large bird, these people are describing something that was around seven foot tall, according to all the people who saw wow. it. And it was, I will say, just looking at pictures of the Sandhill Crane, I could see where if this thing was hunched or something like that, they might, okay. Sandhill Crane has a really long neck, though. And um, I just think you would, like, you would see a bill, even if it was a shadow, uh-huh. you'd see a long bill. Like, you would be able That's true. to say, oh, it has a bird's beak, yeah. you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, even if you had a great imagination and you were like, oh, it had a really long beak and it was a demon. <laughs> like, if you want to go to that side, I think at some point you would have to concede, oh, but it had a really long bird beak. Yeah. Kind of so it was probably yeah. a bird. Yeah. But, so yeah. I think the number of people who won't concede that it's a bird is also kind of adds credence to it you uh-huh. know, kind of thing. And, um, but like, like where was the thing staying? Was the thing coming down from these UFOs, you know, where is it at now? Yeah, where did it go? <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Um, I, I think that that's the great mystery to it though. Yeah. Is, oh yeah, absolutely. Know, Cause that, like those, those couple of stories you told me from the Mothman book, if those are true, that's that's really really amazing. Oh yeah, yeah. The, those stories, like I said, people get the book. <laughs> if you read a few of those stories, uh, if you're even on the line, like oh, all these people saw birds, you read some of those eyewitness accounts, and that would change your mind, I think, because yeah. it did mine. Because uh-huh. like you know, I I love to go anywhere anyway, and uh, you know, for one, Brandy and I just needed this getaway. We've been cooped up with COVID kind of thing and um even though we we're just around us and the kids yeah um i mean it was still a great little getaway because it was. you didn't have to be near anybody there um we went town was pretty empty but um which i guess you want it to be at this point yeah but, uh but still it was nice um and kind of had the museum to ourselves there but like i said it it was just a great little weekend getaway. There's a lot of little things to do. I will say um, kudos to the museum also for highlighting the Silver Bridge collapse. I learned yeah. more at the museum about that collapse than I have reading anything. They have done a really good job of talking about the collapse and effect on the town that it had. There. Yeah, there was a lot of information and like the video play showed you the whole 
think it was it was really that that portion of it was very interesting. And they had um, one of the things is they had a diagram that showed like the the load that was on the bridge at the time of the collapse mm-hmm. and and um, uh, if, if you're into those kind of disaster kind of things, which is a horrible disaster, but um, it, I mean it just how far they went to figure out how that collapse actually happened was amazing to me. Yeah. So, I mean, I know anytime there's a disaster with a plane or whatever, they put the plane back together. That's what they basically, they put this bridge back together to find out what happened to the pressure, like to cause this thing to collapse. Yeah. And, and had to, yeah. f- to, you know, get all of the pieces they could out of the Ohio river. Yeah. And it, it, that was yeah. very interesting. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, it was like, like I said, I, was mesmerized by that just mm-hmm. as much as I was mesmerized by reading all the accounts at the museum. But, uh, so yeah, so we hope that you guys have enjoyed hearing us talk about the Mothman and our trip up to Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Like I said, we highly recommend it. It's, you know, it's not the most bustling town, but if you like a little laid back vacation spot, go on up there, do a little Mothman museum mm-hmm. tour and go out to the McClintic wildlife reserve and have yourself a nice little wildlife walk. <laughs> yep. Probably not in the summertime, <laughs> but right now it'd be great. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so we highly recommend it. And our next big getaway is going to be a Bigfoot episode. Oh, so right. you guys all get to hear us do a few low key podcasts before we get to that. But we will be heading down to Georgia to the mountain and do some Bigfoot <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so I'm excited, but a little nervous. So <laughs> anyway, so that will be our next big getaway that we will. And hopefully that spot will be just as great as the Mothman spot. Right. But until next time, we will say, see you guys later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.